You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. Your rugby, your Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson coming to you live from Iowa, and I'm joined by Aaron Castro this week, live in Arizona. Liam has the week off. Uh, and then we've got Josh back here on the comments, hanging out with us and uh, watching over the YouTube comments. So be sure to hit us up there with any questions or thoughts. We'd love to know what you're thinking about. Aaron, how's your week been, my friend? Uh, you know, last week was pretty solid. Lots of rugby stuff to get done. I uh, had a call with, uh, you know, Chris Dunlavi of D.C. Major League Rugby. Uh, so we'll get into that, of course, later on. But, uh, you know, uh, Champions Cup, that was pretty cool to watch. Eagles are just getting injured right now, like left and right. Uh, if anyone saw, Odds McGinty is out 12 weeks. So, yeah, we won't have him. Um well, it might be available for one game in the ARC, um, and then he'll have to play with Sale. But uh, UCLA, my people, they won a game in football, not rugby, because they don't play until the spring. But uh, I thought that, I thought my my people were I thought the Bruins were going to go winless this year, so uh, not too bad uh, of a weekend overall. Uh, kind of funny um you know uh you know football runs the house in the fall when you're watching an a-side game and the uh the mate the the mistress of the home goes to the other television and turns on whatever nfl game is on <laughs> And then just turns up the volume, just keeps yeah, click, 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 yeah, that, click. that happens too. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, around here we've actually been pretty busy. My uh, wife and I are mo- in the process of moving right now, and so there's been a lot of packing and carrying and and uh, turning in wrong directions. And oh my god, my back hurts, type of stuff. So you know, so, things are good. Moving, uh, moving to. Um, the outskirts and building a mansion or something close to that uh moving the other side of town get a little bit closer to work so uh nothing too exciting here but uh i've been telling folks uh, you'll be able to tell on the podcast when when i've officially moved because the color of the wall behind me will change so <laughs> get that to look forward to <laughs> But uh, enough about me a little bit about us so uh for those of you who are new to earful of dirt We do this every Monday night here live on YouTube uh, where we discuss news, rumors, and everything else about Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look at the issues affecting the league, hear from league officials, players, and team leadership, as well as check in with our friends from across the country. With all that said, Aaron, can you tell us what we're covering tonight? All right, uh, we're going to break down some club scores uh, that, of course, as we've been doing the past couple weeks, that will have an influence uh, specifically upon players that will see MLR action this year. Uh, Then we'll go over rounds three uh, and two, uh, two and three of the America's Pacific Challenge. And we'll get into our DC Major League Rugby update and – our final giveaway for the Rugby Weekend triple header presented by uh, UL. Sounds great. And uh, I know you and I are both planning on being in Chicago for that event. Um, Victor, uh, our friend over on the Spanish language side of EOD, is also going to attempt to make it. So, uh, yeah, not, say, not saying we're ready to set up plans yet, but anybody in Chicago for that weekend, be sure to hit us up and hopefully we can uh, meet up at some point. We'd love to touch base with everybody. If uh, anyone hasn't had a chance to uh, check it out, uh, we're uh, we're running, I guess, starting the uh, the beginnings of our second, I guess, our third, or 
our third piece in the stool. I don't, I don't know. I think we have a tri stool now. We've got an interview podcast, and uh, when you're sort of launching, um, not yet, soft launching a uh, Spanish language uh, podcast to cover rugby in the United States and a little bit of South America. Yeah, and so you know, folks remember from last season, um, one of our co-hosts was Victor uh, Perez, and he is actually over overseeing that project for us this year. So uh, we just last night, uh, well, this morning, loaded the first episode of En La Mele, and that's following on from two episodes we did end of last season of um, what we were then calling uh, EOD and Español and just updated the title. And uh, so, yeah, that's available on our RSS feed on our, through our usual podcast distribution channels. So be sure to check that out. Um, that's eventually going to be spun off onto its own uh, channel, but uh, we will make you guys aware of that as that happens so you can kind of track with it, anybody who wants to uh, be part of that community. So uh, anyway, I think we got some club scores to talk about. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Old Blue yeah, wins so, the... Oh, 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 oh. You're fine. Uh, I was going to do the same thing. I was just going to say Old Blue uh, took the AARP this weekend uh, over life uh, with a score of 40 to 40, or 48 to 40. Uh, Mystic took down Nyack 41 to 26, and Seattle Saracens squeaked past VRC. 41 to 40. So uh, I think you're going to kind of fill us in on what happened this weekend. Yeah. So uh, for the most part, uh, Old Blue of New York wins the America's Rugby Premiership 40 to 48 uh, over life. And, you know, it it really makes me wonder. I think this year is Old Blue's fourth year, not that I think that they've won the ARP and that they will not be competing in the national pathway. I hope that actually changes in this year that they do because that's it. That's sort of some club politics, but what I've been talking about the past couple of weeks about a D one uh, rugby Renaissance clubs, recruiting uh, young players so that they can develop and feed MLR teams, or at least play at a very high level uh, that they don't really get a chance to when uh, they move into professional life. You don't really, if you've looked at Old Blue and Nyack of late, they're they're pretty. Some of the players are young, and some of the player a lot of players are old within those clubs. And I think this is really more of a a testament to club rugby in general. We tend not to uh, recruit the young because they will take on minutes. Uh, but it, it's really a symbiotic relationship as this league builds up. Uh, we will need uh, Division One clubs to develop players so that they can feed MLR teams and MLR teams will also, uh, you know, provide resources to clubs at both the youth and senior level uh, from players to coaches to probably sponsorship dollars at a certain juncture. Um, But this is what we know when it comes to this, right? Uh, A bulk of the roster for uh, rugby United New York is made up from Nyack and old blue. And Old Blue has just pretty much gone on a dominating, uh, you know, run down the Union Pacific here. And so they show that they're strong. The season's over. What will Old Blue sort of look like in the spring? I don't know. But uh, we're seeing at least part of their roster clean up. And the other part of the roster that's playing at Nyack has struggled a bit. And uh, also for Mystic, who will... Uh, make up the bulk of the exhibition side for the New England Free Jacks. Uh, you know, they ended up not doing too poorly in the uh, in the ARP this season, where last year they went winless in America's per rugby premiership play. So that's good to see uh, competitive play there. Uh, one that is really concerning for me is the Seattle Saracens over the Vancouver Rowing Club. They currently sit two and three in the BC premier league. And uh, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, what I want to see from a team that is loaded 
with MLR players. They've got six Seawolves with a total of seven MLR players that were on the pitch on Saturday. Uh, so if you've got that much talent on on the pitch, I won't, I'm, this is this isn't just about the sea, the Saracens. This is about any team that is going to field uh, six plus MLR players. Uh, you gotta be beating the competition by a lot, and so that that sort of does concern me going into the preseason for um, the Seawolves. But you know, last year I was completely wrong about them, and uh, they just wrecked the league, won the title. So I might be wrong again. And as I told. Uh, their owner, Shane Skinner, you know, I've, every time I pick against you, you win. So uh, if you want to keep winning, I'll just pick against you. <laughs> and he uh, gave me a wink. And, uh, you know, so that's how that goes. That's interesting. And I know you've made that point before about teams, uh, clubs that have MLR players on them. So do you think that score uh, between Saracens and VC – um, VRC is indicative of the strength of the BC Premiership, or is it a state or kind of a criticism of Saracens more than anything else? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we the BC Premier League is the deepest and best competition at the amateur level in North America. That's just the way it is. But you know. You're still putting out a team that is, you know, third prof- third professional on the day. You should be able to go out there and take care of business. That's my opinion. That's what that's what I want to see going forward when we have uh, teams in the off season uh, next next year when guys take some time off. The other teams that the other clubs that field MLR players just go out and just beat the the crap out of, you know, that amateur competition. That's what, that's what you want to see, but that's not what we're seeing so far, which is concerning right now. But, uh, you know, like I said, I was wrong last year. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong this year. It happens now and then. So uh, speaking of things that didn't go quite as planned, uh, as you mentioned earlier, we had round two and round three of uh, the APC, uh, the America's Pacific Challenge uh, this week as well. Uh, USA Selects did not do great. Uh, we lost, uh, we dropped a game to Uruguay 8 side, 33 to 18. And then, of course, Argentina 15s, 55 to 15. Uh, so that's just a shellacking right there. So what went wrong? What went wrong? I mean, uh, you know, in the, in the first game... We- I, would, I, I don't really know if it's fitness because in the fir- in both games it sort of happened. In, in the first half, in the first quarter, we were pretty fit, uh, played decent defense and ran through our systems pretty well. And, you know, at a certain point, someone else's experience takes over. And as we saw in uh, the, se- the second game of that, uh, Argentina 15 just ran us over. But one of the things that I was – is my biggest criticism of this is this team did not look prepared to play defense. They didn't want to play defense. Uh, every time there was a rucker as a scrum at the five meter, there was a five meter wide channel for uh, a scrum half to, to make a quick carry, which Santiago Arada did the same thing as the Tonga scrum half. And he just went right in there and uh, scored a try. Uh, when it came to how we hit to, to make tackles, we just um, poor body position, but didn't just didn't even hold on. Even when you get poor body position, all you got to do is hold on. And eventually they go down. And what we saw is, especially with Uruguay and Argentina, is superior systems on attack just destroyed uh, our, def- our non-existent defense. And... Uh, Scott Lawrence and co will look at this. I, I don't know if you throw it away. I, I don't know what the purpose of this competition was. I mean, the purpose overall of this competition is to give your developmental players a chance to be in a high performance environment 
and also give them high quality competition. In previous years, we've basically taken our domestic Eagles down there. You had some domestic Eagles on the squad, but most it was a bunch of young guys. So I hope we evaluated a bunch. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think some of these guys, Eagles careers uh, may go into a holding pattern. Uh, you know, I hate to say this, but some of these guys just did not show out that well, uh, that, you know, have caps that have, you know, five to 10 caps. Uh, Henko Hamishais, he showed out quite well. Uh, he was held back in the third match, had a little niggle, which was fine because, you know, this is a developmental tournament. And uh, he needs to be fit for November. Uh, and uh, for the most part, I liked what I saw from Brendan Daly. Some people didn't. Some people did. Uh, I, I see the reason why he was asked to put on uh, some mass. So he's basically been shaped into the mold of what Samu Manoa looks like, which is a, a hybrid 4-8, uh, an athletic number four lock that can also play back row and do hard carries and hard tackles and just be a menace. Uh, he's also got some good wheels. In the first game, he had an intercept try, and he went 50 meters uh, against Tonga for that try. But, um, you know, I think we're trying to build – we were trying to build some front row depth, especially with Team Mostelli playing tight head that basically takes our two best props out there and – puts them both at tight head with Paul Mullen and uh, T. Lamostelli playing tight head. Where that leaves us a bit thin at loose head. I know David Ayunu is getting some time with the senior team in Toulon, but basically right now the only knocked on loose head is Eric Fry. So we really need to identify another loose head. Um, yeah, I guess when it comes to the United States, we're blessed with a lot of back row players. I think Ryan Matias showed why he's an eagle, and he's just going to be a knocked-on like uh, top 23 guy the entire time. He should probably, depending on who's available, he should be starting uh, this uh, upcoming tour. Uh, I've I don't I've looked at how we've played, and I always felt that you know he is just a very dynamic threat. But uh, with injuries, I could see him getting a start at 14 if Blaine is unavailable and will stay big uh, on the outside with uh, with Marcel and Ryan playing the wings. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say that there wasn't a lot to like because we, on offense, when we did have the ball and we were fit, uh, we ran our systems improved over time, uh, especially for about 10 minutes against Argentina 15. We looked very good and we were able to move the ball very, very well across the pitch. One of the things that really plagued us the entire tournament is our ball handling skills. Uh, you know, little giants reference here. It seemed that everyone was like hot hands. They needed to all put stick them on their hands because we could not hold on to a ball. We either knocked it on or missed the pass. But I mean, it was a bad tour. Uh, there's, I would say there's positives in some of the individual performances. I criticized the selection of Sol Mooching, uh, but I, I think he grew a lot in, in this environment. I think that he needs to be playing in MLR. This season, I think he he missed out on a significant amount of development uh, last year by not uh, joining an MLR team, and which probably would have, if he had um, played and started a bunch of games, probably would have set himself up very well for uh, selection for the World Cup. But I think right now he's uh, on the outside looking in. But again, like I said, he's it's not just him overall. He's the kind of player. And the college players coming out of college now are training at such a level. They're in, I would say, they're in more professional environments than, you know, some of the MLR teams. So they're going to expect technical coaching. Some of them coming out of the top programs 
and expect technical coaching down to their position. And, you know, you need that to convert great athletes like Psalm is. And you also need that so you can continue developing rugby athletes that have been in strong systems for a while. I, I did not uh, get to see much of the tournament this year, unfortunately, but I will say that uh, opportunities just to see players out doing this uh, competition in a very short amount of time. I think the tournament itself is what, 10, 12 days. Something uh, like that? See first game was on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, so 11 days. Yeah. So it's a very mm-hmm. short amount of time and you've got guys that are just basically coming together for a few days practice ahead of time. And then a week and a half of uh, really intense high level play I, you know, I can understand why they aren't going to be firing on all cylinders, um, even in, even in a three-game series like this. Um, not, not trying to defend them and not trying to say there weren't issues, but I think there's also explanations. Uh, but from my perspective, whenever we have uh, opportunities like this, I think when taken when you look at things like the APC and then you look at the, um, uh, the collegiate all Americans, uh, that, uh, Glendale hosted here uh, a couple months ago from a MLR perspective, uh, having the chance to see these players and having them try out without actually having to offer them a contract, uh, it has to be pretty tasty. It has to be pretty appealing to be able to see, uh, some of these guys you haven't hired yet actually out on the pitch playing. So from that perspective, I th- uh, win, lose, or draw, I think it can be very helpful for the league to see these guys. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's great that we have film on these guys. And I, I think this tour, to an extent, was great for the young players that have been identified and in the system so that there's tape on them at a high level. But at the end of the day, we did it was a bad tour like just it was a bad tour what I, I i don't care if we lose every game if if we're going in here to develop the team and develop the individuals and we develop a, and grow as a team throughout the entire period and i don't i don't really think we did that and that that's really my beef uh that i i know they the guys learn stuff but it, because you're just you just know like they're gonna learn stuff. But as a cohesive unit, they didn't really grow as a team. Whereas if you look at Canada, uh, they got shellacked twice, uh, and they grew as a team. Uh, they beat narrowly by one point Tonga A, who physically mauled us, you know, so. Is what it is. Absolutely is. Well, uh, I guess there's always next year too. Uh, the APC is going to be continuing on into nineteen. Yes, no. Um, the APC. Uh, yes. The APC is uh, until. Uh, I don't know. It's it. We the the former ARC used to be an an A side competition um so this replaced the previous arc um so will this continue yeah it's it's gonna continue uh for a while because this is your world rugby development dollars at work so uh until we are until we're at least at japan's level i see us having a usa selects run out for a while and, you know, uh, Argentina sends their Argentina 15 all over the world. They play a full international schedule. I think their international schedule is 13 games uh, throughout the year. So uh, eventually, uh, if things work out right calendar-wise, we should, and we have the money, we should assemble uh the Eagles selects and send them on a tour so that the guys that are behind, you know, the top 
45 uh, get looked at in a national team environment. Now that's something to look forward to right there. All right, bad transition time. You know what else I'm looking forward to? Having a team in D.C. So, uh, Aaron, you were on the phone with uh, D.C. MLR ownership last Friday, as I understand it. So what is the word out of our nation's capital? Yeah, so I uh, had the chance to have a chat with uh, Kristen Lavi on Friday, and we talked at length about their program development. One of the things he and Paul Sheehy have stressed from the very beginning, if you go back to their webinar, if you go back to any time they've spoken, I think they've both of them separately have been on rugby wrap-up uh, with Matt McCarthy. Well, they've talked about building the business first. They want the business to be viable from day one. Uh, they don't want to, they want, they want to develop cash flow. And that is, you know, that's, that's one of the things that uh, he emphasized in this whole thing, which is where, you know, last earlier in the summer, I guess this last summer where I was like, Hey, they have a thousand season ticket deposits. They should just go. They should just do it. Cause they have the interest right away. Well, um, people wanted to know, guess what? They had a thousand season ticket deposits. People continue to be interested in the DCMR franchise because their season tickets have gone over 1,200 deposits to date. Think about wow. that. Wow. That's and fantastic. And this, this was at a time when they weren't committed to 19 or 20. Now they are committed to. Uh, as per our conversation, they intend to field a team during season three, which is MLR season in 2020. Uh, that is, they are in the process to enter the league so that they can field the team in 2020. Uh, so that that was really cool. Uh, you know, continuing to set up uh, deposits for uh, season tickets. So we've we've seen how crazy the demand is in Seattle. And I said, you know, I think real. I said to Chris that I thought the demand based on what has been demonstrated so far will be really similar to the demand that the sea wolves and the warriors have had. Because if you have, you have 1200 season ticket deposits and you, the original plan, I believe, was for ground, uh, a phase one ground that held 5,000 people. If you have 1,200 season ticket deposits now, you know, um, the, they might sell out all their tickets before they even uh, get to the, the preseason of the 2020 league year, uh, which I thought was amazing. Uh, and then the, the the last one is they intend to run an exhibition season in the spring of 2019. So uh, DC Lightning Unicorns, I'm telling you, we we found we got them we got them a mascot. DC Lightning Unicorns. Um, they just need to uh, send us the check. We'll be nice about it. Hundred dollars. You can you can have it all. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, things are looking good for them. Um, he said the reason why it's quiet is they've gotten most of their – they're done with a lot of the things. So they're just in – they're in the process right now. And that is uh, – they're in the next stage of the process. So that's why there really isn't a lot of news uh, to, uh, to go over. Uh, to an extent, but they are alive. They are kicking. They are continuing to move forward every day so that they can have a team in season three of major league rugby. Well, they're doing the work from what it sounds like. And that's really exciting. And DC is, I mean, such a uh, diverse city as far as the populations, the amount of expats there. Uh, it's a fantastic place to field professional rugby so i i can't wait to have him part of the mlr family officially so what else is uh going on around the league you know uh i guess from a couple of weeks ago when i spoke to james walker he said that they were going to roll out news and he said you can't talk about this yet but it's obvious uh 
I am the general manager and director of rugby of Atlanta MLR. Just let me announce it. Well, James, you guys announced it last week. So uh, I hope no one's surprised, at least uh, right at the moment that they said Tiger Rugby was the high-performance partner of Atlanta MLR. Uh, you know, it, it was pretty obvious. Uh, bravo to James. Um, he, Anyone who doesn't know who James Walker is and what he's done for American rugby and in American rugby uh, – Three-time National Club Sevens coach uh, uh, with Belmont Shore. Uh, takes Sevens and Tens teams all over the world. And, you know, it's they're, they're going to be doing it right. And uh, what I do have to say, and this is more about everyone on the East Coast, um, I guess we're going to have to start filling in the the middle of the country and perhaps out here in the desert i get a team in phoenix mm, crickets, no, crickets. Uh, well i've got some opinions on that one uh i'll save it for a little bit later on though <laughs> all right I just, I just need to find the money if i can find the money i'm quitting and uh and i don't i don't mean my money i mean somebody else who loves rugby and wants to invest in rugby. And uh, I will go work as their communications director. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we all, we, we'll all jump that ship pretty quick. Uh, matter of fact, why don't you just hire Earful of Dirt to be your marketing firm? We, we can handle it. <laughs> you want a slightly irreverent tone to your, your marketing? Hey, we, we got that. Yeah. <laughs> uh. We got uh, we got something else on the list here. It says transactions. So I suppose this is people coming, going, turning around, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it. Yeah. So we got Aaron Schram coming to Houston. Um, I think they just I think they just say Aaron. Aaron. It's, it's yeah. Afrikaner. So. I was trying to be fancy, Aaron. <laughs> can, I, can I call you Aaron? Uh, so he's going to be in, he's going to be in Houston next year, uh, filling out uh, SaberCats, helping them out a little bit. Uh, and then I also understand uh, you made an announcement on Reddit today about uh, Tag Leader's fate. What's well, going on with that? Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's like uh, I did not make an announcement. I just linked Tag Leader's announcement that he was making a life change. Uh, Tag Leader is leaving the San Diego Legion. Um, he said he's moving on to a dream job that he uh, only dreamed of and hoped for would occur in the United States when he moved to the country over three years ago. Uh, he was working for Digidust Sport before he joined the Legion, so maybe he's going back to work full-time as the CEO of Digidust North America. I don't know. Uh, I did ask him on in the DMs. So we'll see if he responds to that. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, he was one of – he was very good when he played. He, there was some – I can only guess that there were some fitness issues and not really his, like, conditioning. But uh, he was injured a few times last season, which kept him out of a few games. But uh, for the most part, you're looking at uh, a pretty lethal fly half with his boot. Uh, he can, I mean, he's a, if you need him to, he can do a 50 meter penalty kick. And uh, so that's uh, going to be a big loss for San Diego. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking at their fly halves right now. Uh, looks like Connor Kearns and Ben Sima for the moment. Uh, it's always nice to have, uh, you know, three guys who can make it happen. Uh, so I think they're going to have to add another fly half. And I don't really know if, at least domestically, if there are as good of fly halves now available uh, currently. Um, Aaron Schramm for Houston, He's uh, he has three caps for Germany. Uh, primarily he plays number eight, but he can play all along the back row. And, yes, I called him a flanker. Get over it. Uh, he will be... I would say he will be in the top three back rows in across the league. He is amazing. I think he's only 23, and 
you know, just he's going to get after it. Uh, moving on to the our other signings. Uh, in the Mid-Olympique, they report Simone Bienvenue uh, from Rossing 92. He's a wing. Is moving on to uh, the Austin Elite. He's 22 years old. He had one appearance off the bench last season in the top 14. Uh, so, man, bringing in uh, a guy who made it to the senior team in the top 14 uh, into the league who's young. That's going to be intense. I don't know if that. Move. Yeah, I don't know if that's part of that partnership to bring in 30 players. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll see. Uh, then you have Locke Kyle Bailey uh, from Canada, number 417, who was just down in it, the APC with Canada, uh, coming in to uh, either solidify the second row or solidify the flanks for uh, Nola Gold. Uh, they do need some. They need some bigger boys in the engine room. So I think Kyle Bailey will be a a hybrid four six, and he will be pretty dangerous. Uh, you know, in the middle of the pitch, I think that's a great signing there. And then Con Foley, center for uh, the Nola Gold. Uh, you're talking about uh, an Olympic, uh, another former Olympic captain uh, coming into the league. Uh, the other one is obviously uh, Fiji's Osea Kalinasau is playing for Houston. Con Foley is the former Australian Olympic sevens captain. Uh, and, you know, uh, he's a young guy. I think he's 26. Nola just bringing in a lot of these younger dudes so far, except Kane Thompson. Kane Thompson is an old bugger. But uh, they're going to be much improved. They're bringing in a lot of talent. Um, that is available, so I can't uh, can't really uh, wait to see what old Nate Osborne has uh, up his sleeve this year. But uh, they're going to be really good. It should be very interesting to see what's happening in NOLA. Um, you know, I think this actually brings up a question that appears on the board, I swear, weekly, uh, related to how valuable to the league international players are. Um do you think that the presence of these internationals take spots away from would-be potential MLR, domestic MLR players, or is it good as an opportunity for uh, these players to learn from higher-level professionals? Uh, what's, what do you that's think? Two, that's two separate questions. Uh, do, does that take spots away from a domestic players? Yes, it does. Um, but that is necessary to bring in high-level foreign players that are used to uh, certain systems and certain cultures as you build up your own. We're trying to build now, this year, nine different high-performance cultures. You don't just build a culture in a year. Uh, you, you saw the, the seeds of high-performance cultures uh, last year across the league for seven teams. And now they're, uh, they're the seed pods are, are just broken, you know, and, uh, they're, they're growing. Oh, got an alert in the box. Josh, you got a news alert. Hey Josh, you want to jump on and uh, tell us what's breaking tonight? Breaking news. Yeah. Uh, Matt Houston put on his Instagram story that he's heading up to new England. What? Houstonia is going to pull us up. Okay. Well, th since this is uh, happening as wow. we speak, we'll go ahead and wow. look this up real quick. So, Aaron, tell us, uh, other than wow, what what's the what's does this mean? What's this mean? <clears throat> I don't know. Like, he had a crazy work weight, work, work weight, work rate last year, uh, a little bit undersized. I think he needed to put on some weight this year so he could create some more durability. But uh, dude just gets it done all over the pitch when he carries the ball, when he's on defense. Uh, he he's a he's a jackler. Just wow, that is that's a big loss, you know. 
Well, and we've been hearing for a while that there were going to be several changes uh, going in personnel going into season two. So this may just be another example of how that shakeup is impacting teams. So I guess we will keep an eye out for further transactions. But with all of that uh, said, we also like to take some questions from Bob every week. So uh, for those of you new to the show, uh, this is our regular segment, our question and answer period, where we collect questions from the Major League Rugby Reddit community. That's reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So feel free to bop over there weekly and uh, share your questions with us, or you can always get a hold of us through our various socials to ask questions as well. But starting us off this week with questions, uh, we got Humpers92 would like to know, which city do you think is the next to be announced as having exclusive bidding rights? And uh, I kind of hinted at this one earlier, but um, in my opinion... It better frickin' be Chicago or Kansas City or else I'm going to pull what little bit of my hair I've got left out of my head. I don't know. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, you know, I have no idea. I, I really don't. I was, I was as surprised as anyone about Atlanta. Um, New England, Boston, sort of whatever um, made sense. Heck, even the L.A. bid really... Uh, really surprised me but it would be nice to get a team in the middle of the country but it would be nice to get uh, another team out here so that uh we make travel easy uh, i don't know about the bay i i felt la was good but how about phoenix got a nice rugby community growing lots of young players three high performance college teams uh one that's rebuilding and two that you know they just turn out high level players so and I'm still thinking that uh, San Diego, or not San Diego, San Francisco, uh, that area up there is uh, pretty prime for an MLR team as well. Uh, the next question from Rugga Buggas wants to know, it, kind of similar question, is there any news on Vancouver? I haven't uh, heard it's, anything. It's, it's so silent you can hear a pin drop. So when that pin drops, I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, uh, once again, great rugby community right in the middle of the BC Premier League. Uh, there's a lot of high-level talent up there, uh, but no news as of now. Flippity Floppity 10 asks, which team do you think will improve the most over last year? Um, I think a lot of these teams, there's going to be so many changes, I have no idea. I, I mean, I need to see the roster before I uh, even even think about it. Um, uh, San Diego, uh, I think, like I said, I, I thought they, sh I thought Crack should have stayed here, uh, sh should have stayed, and they should have added Scott Murray. But I think their scrummaging will get a lot better. They will be able to be significantly different up front with uh, Scott Murray coaching the, the big boys up front. But uh, after that, I, I really have no idea. I know the um, – I had said previously that I thought that San Diego was a potential contender for 2019, and I, I do think that they're going to uh, make a run for things. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and put my most improved money down on NOLA. In spite of the news tonight, I think uh, they've got – they seem like they are investing in talent and really going to be trying to make some moves this season. So that's what I'm, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking Nola Gold. Barbells and Balls wants to know, what player would you like to see more of in the next season? Uh, to that, I guess, is it is it too soon to say tag leader? I <laughs> There you go. Um, you know, I'd like to see Connor Kearns the entire time. I want to see what he can do. But there's a, there's a lot of players. I want to see more of Nakai Penny. 
uh, for the Sea Wolves. Um, to not allow to, he just tore it up. I think if he tears it up again this this year, and he's able to make some moves happen with his business, because he's a business owner. He's a he's a he hustles, man. That dude that dude hustles. If he if he's able to shift some of those duties at the house, he can be in contention for an eagle shirt. I think um, he is very a very dynamic player on the wing. Excellent. Um, well, and of course, I think one of the things I always look forward to is seeing who's new. You know, seeing the the player we weren't expecting every season just to pop up, put up their hand, and be amazing. So. That's that's something to look forward to as well. All right. Yugnatu, uh, I have no idea on that one, said, uh, rookie fan from St. Paul here, uh, I'm trying to find a team to cheer for. Do you guys have any suggestions? Aaron, who do you think um, you should cheer for? You know, uh, well, I've been a neutral the entire time, so... Uh... Um, what do you like? Do you like flash? Do you like physicality? Because uh, if you like just grind them out, uh, scrummaging play, I think Houston's your team. If you like dynamic attack, I think uh, San Diego is going to be your team. Um, I think another dynamic team that's going to be great is Austin this year. Um, you know. Uh, it depends on uh, it depends on what you want. Um, they've the world is your oyster right now. They've got a bunch of different styles of play right now. I think if I had to choose, I would go with my favorite colors. That's that's about it. which is uh, there is currently no green and white team right now. So if uh, if a team decides to go their base colors are green and white, let me know and I will hop on that train for giggles. I think the uh, Free Jacks missed their opportunity to be the uh, Boston Irish, so uh, kind of missed your your green and white potential there. Um, you know, I I'm kind of I was in the same boat. I'll I'll admit that you know as a Midwesterner looking out over the landscape and kind of seeing a hole here in the middle of the country, I was sort of I was having a tough time, and I I've attempted to stay neutral as well. But I will say that, especially by the end of the season, I was really enjoying the narrative that the Sea Wolves had built, which is this team that was overcoming struggle to accomplish great things. And so, though I don't want to call myself a Sea Wolves fan by any means, um, I certainly will say that they had a fantastic story last year, and that that's as good of a reason to support a team as anything else. So. Yeah, I. You can go uh, go support Seattle if you want. They've got a great story behind them. So yeah, man, uh, it's just a matter of figuring out what's right for you. Uh, but I think you know his kind of maybe his goal was trying to get the Reddit community to convince him one way or another. So if you if you want if you have an opinion on that, maybe this is a great chance for you to go over and uh, tell you not to who he should uh, be out supporting. So get to it. All right, last question comes from uh, the Bob himself. Bob B. Boberson wants to know, and uh, I have to apologize to Bob because he's actually asked this question two weeks in a row, and we missed it last week. So, sorry, Bob. Here it is this week. We've seen several departures of core players from Utah. Lasique, Marath, Lenham. Lanahan. Lanahan, thank you. Are there any indications on who they will fill those massive holes with for next season? Bob, I think and, you uh, have uh, – I think you've got a center to fill the CK's role. Uh, the real issue here, man, is, is fly half. I have – right now, I have no idea who you guys are bringing in. Um, more at uh, was really good for you. Uh, Johnny Linehan really didn't get his uh, didn't get his sea legs until the end. And honestly, if if he was playing this year, he'd be good. 
because there was a period of time he was probably the for about two years when he was at BYU that he was the best fly half in college rugby. So kind of sucks that to see him hanging up those boots because uh, I think if he was you know fit in in the system for as long as he should have been to to be able to play, you know he'd be very good. So. Kind of sad he decided to retire very fast. So I think the uh, the short version there, Bob, is we don't know, man. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out. All right. I think that's what I've got, Aaron. Uh, you got any final thoughts for us before we sign off for the evening? Um, just uh, thanks, everyone, who's been uh, you know playing in the last – contests the past couple of weeks uh can't wait to give out tickets this week and uh for all you redditors uh look out tomorrow uh or if you when you hear this on wednesday hopefully you see it it'll be pinned i think i know a moderator um it'll be pinned at the top put your name in and on friday we will select a winner for the final pair of tickets courtesy of the Rugby Weekend Triple Header presented by UL. Fantastic. And once again, uh, Aaron and I will both be in Chicago for that event. So be sure to uh, hit us up if you want to make some plans to meet up or something during the Rugby Weekend. That's about all I've got. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. It's always our pleasure to be here with you every Monday night. Uh, be sure to tune in next week. We're, we'll be back on YouTube next Monday. And the show is available for download via your favorite podcast platform every single Wednesday morning. If you like what, what we do, please subscribe to us on YouTube and iTunes. That helps us out, helps folks find us. Uh, you can also connect with us via our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagrams. And, uh, yeah, hit us up on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So... Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, that's all I've got. That's all Aaron's got. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.